And this morning, I want to speak to us as a church about the messiness of the gospel, the messy gospel. Because in the Bible, in the gospel, it's full of messed up people, messed up people. And I'm so thankful that, for that because that, you know, that includes me. I'm a messed up person that God is, is tirelessly working to fix as long as I'm open to that working. Are you guys being worked on too? Okay, awesome. I'm not alone in this. But what a wonderful thing that is, that we get to be accepted through the blood and righteousness of Jesus. That one thought alone, like, I, I just imagine when that is, is spoken in heaven, the angels just uproar. All the people just uproar with praise and worship. And I want that to be our heart as a church as well. How messy the gospel is and how wonderful that is. But picture for a moment how many people Jesus let into his life. Watch this. How many people that Jesus let into his life knowing that they would hurt and betray him? Knowing that they would hurt and betray him, and yet he still opened his life to them and offered forgiveness, he offered love, and he offered relationship. Forgiveness, love, and relationship. And this thought, honestly, uh, I just had to dwell on it for a little while. How hard that is. How hard that is. Knowing people are going to hurt you and you still open up because you want to change their life. And just like all of you, I've had people in my life hurt me. Like I could ask for a raise of hands, but it would probably be every single person in this room has been hurt at one time or another. I've been, been hurt, and you've probably been hurt by friends, co-workers, family, church people, and some even on purpose. <laughs> How does Jesus react to this and move forward? And beyond that, how am I supposed to react to this and move forward? It's very quiet in here. That was either really good or you guys need to take a sip of coffee. Either is fine. Feel free to amen this morning. Wave your hanky, whatever you need to do. I'm up for that. But are you ready to be challenged this morning? Okay, I always like to ask that because you agree to be challenged. And so if you're offended, then that's the Lord's fault in your own. It's not mine. <laughs> amen. Thank you over here. But how does Jesus offer forgiveness? We're not looking at a theological standpoint of, of the blood and righteousness, how that affects us. It'll be another sermon, but how does he offer forgiveness to the people in his life, the person of Jesus? When he was walking here on earth, how did he offer forgiveness to people? I want to look at that, and then I want to look at how we offer forgiveness to people. For instance, looking at the disciples, Jesus' closest friends, all of them let him down. <laughs> Do you ever feel like that sometimes? Like, I have not a friend in this world, God. But he knew that they would. He knew that they would. And that is amazing to me. Even thinking of the person Judas, the Lord knew one of the disciples was going to betray him to his death. He knew it. 
And he still opened up his life. And that is amazing to me. Jesus picked people not for who they were, but for who God saw them as. I'm going to say that again. He picked people not for who they were, but for who God saw them as. Even someone who hurts you, God will use in his greater plan for good to come out of it. Not that he caused it, but people have a free will and God will use it for good and then he will use it to testify in your own life of the goodness of God. The goodness of God in all your problems, in all your hurt, in all your pain, the goodness of God. You know, some years ago in my, my own life, just so you can relate a little bit more, I had befriended somebody and it, it turned out that they, they purposely just tried to maliciously hurt me. <laughs> like, have you ever been there? It's, uh, you know, just, just viciously attacked through messages and, and all kinds of things, attacking my character with lies, manipulation, hurt, gossip, slander, like the, the whole spiel. And while I did not like that whatsoever, God used it to teach me some invaluable lessons that I stand in today. And so while I would never choose to go through that again, and it probably will happen later on in life, as long as you live, you'll be hurt. Don't miss out on the lessons God wants to teach. And I had to move past that hurt and pain that God wanted to work in my life and through me. And it's not ignoring it, but it's dealing with it. We're not always good at that. Like it's sometimes easier to ignore the pain, act like it's not there, and we never truly deal with it. And, and we, we don't let God actually work through it and teach us the things that we need to learn. You see, Jesus wasn't offended and hurt, watch this, because no one could define him but his father. I'm going to say that again. No one could define him but his father. So when those hurt and those, those pain come in, it does not matter. It, it sometimes hurts because I'm, I'm a fleshly person and I get my feelings hurt. But I have to remember who God has established me to be. And in that confidence and in that boldness, I am able to forgive. God defines you today as his child, his friend, someone whom he loves, whom he sees in the righteous blood of Jesus, someone who he has a special plan for and who is worth dying for. That is who you are. That is who you are. And it's from this place that you offer forgiveness. I'm a child of God. I want you to have forgiveness as well. And you move past all the untrue things, the hurt and the pain, and you give it to God. You just give it to God, and he will judge what is right. Let's look at a few scriptures that are hard, but true, and they're so good. In Mark eleven twenty five, it says, and when you stand praying, and that's a very general term. So when you stand praying, we stood praying this morning. When you stand praying, if you hold anything against anyone, and that's super general, anything against anyone, forgive them. So that your Father in heaven will forgive you your sins. And that is a hard truth. That's a hard truth. 
Ephesians 4.32, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. This wasn't in my notes, but that word tenderhearted, I want you to just dwell on that for a moment. Because we can often put up a guard on our hearts that is so thick that we're no longer tenderhearted. We get a heart of just, just hardness. And we don't mean to. We're just afraid that we're going to get hurt. Like, I've been afraid that I'll get hurt before. But you know, you can't minister to other people in that hard heart of hurt. Colossians 3.13 says, Bearing with one another and forgiving one another, if anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so also you must do. You must. You must do it. If we want to be forgiven, we have to be forgiven, or we have to forgive. And I love that last scripture in Colossians because it uses the word bearing. Bearing with one another, which means to support to suffer with, to have patience with, to tolerate. And Lord, don't you know, some people you're just tolerating by the grace of God. <laughs> but this is more. <laughs> this is more. The motive behind every relationship that Jesus had was to see that person come to know the Father. Every person. Every person. Not every person, but that one person I really don't like. Or that one person that doesn't like me. Every person. Every person come to know the Father. Everything Jesus did reveals who God is. And watch this. Everything you do and I do is supposed to reveal who God is. Ooh, another hard truth. How I treat my family and my friends, people at work, even animals because that's in the Bible and Proverbs, how I walk in frustration, in need, or in plenty, everything I do is going to reveal to someone who God is. Jesus treated people like he wanted them to go to heaven. He wanted it with every fiber in his being. Like he proved it on the cross. But he knew where they would go without God. And we're called to have that same heart of forgiveness. It doesn't matter who they are. Sometimes uh, we can act like, I want that person to go to heaven, but I want them to have a small room on the other side of heaven that is very far away from me, and I will never actually see them in all of eternity. Like, <laughs> but that's not going to be heaven. Watch this. What a joy it will be that someone who called me an enemy or you an enemy will stand by my side rejoicing before Jesus. That is a testimony. Those people that hurt Jesus or hurt you or would hurt you, that would hurt Jesus, he still wanted them to go to heaven. And, and family, this, this is our mission to see everyone possible with us before Jesus. We don't just tolerate people, but we lead them to the Lord by our actions, our words, and our character. All three of those have to be together. It can't be just words. It can't just be just actions. It can't be just, well, if you have a character, your actions and words should follow that. But it has to be all three. 
And I know this is hard, but you guys said you were ready. So I'm bringing up these things because I believe that God wants to do more with us, more with our church, and, in more, than, and more than in our community than we have been doing before. And it begins with unity. And that's another tough word, unity. Because some people are hard to get along with. Like, I can be hard to get along with. You could ask my wife. Like, sometimes I'm very easygoing, but when I've decided something in my head, then I will probably die on that hill. That's not always a good thing. <laughs> but it's time for Christians and churches to come together. That's the only way we're going to actually advance the kingdom of God. And at the heart of unity, we have to deal with the roots. To dig up anything that could be separating us as Christians with other people, with other Christians. We have to offer forgiveness because we want God to move. Do you want God to move? Yeah. Right, then you want to forgive people. And you want to offer forgiveness and accept it. And it in the Greek, it means to let go from oneself from one's power, from one's own possession, to let go of the debt and the penalty, and we give it to God, and he will judge it. Proverbs 17.9 says, Love prospers when a fault is forgiven. Love prospers when a fault is forgiven. The second thing with forgiveness is love. In the messy gospel, we have to forgive and we have to love people. Even ones that we feel like don't deserve it. And I know that you know some people like that. And that's really what we're all looking for. We are all looking for love. We're all looking for acceptance. And we have to remember that. That is what everyone is looking for. And the only true answer is in Jesus. And Jesus uses you. He uses you and I. I think some of the biggest differences in my life that I have made in anyone's life is simply being there when no one else would. Visiting that friend that like, everyone seems to have abandoned because they made some really stupid mistakes. We all have those friends. And God wants to redeem them. I used to visit someone in uh, a prison that it was hard to get through to them. I mean, it seemed like God was struggling getting through to them. But God gave me a dream of that person once when he was in his pain, when he was in his mistakes, and I just saw him preaching his testimony, just giving his testimony in front of people and lives being changed. And I knew that no matter what other people said, no matter where he was at that moment, God still has a plan for him. Still has a plan. Do not ever give up on the love of God. Do not ever give up on the love of God. I remember a young, another young man that I used to write to. He was, was also in prison, but I knew him when he was younger. And I was talking to him, and he quoted me a, a short message that I had given years before. I mean, almost word for word, but it had just stuck with him because I had befriended him. I had showed him love. And in his time of need, he reached out for that same love and allowed God to start working in his life. The love of God 
You never know when it's going to take hold in someone's life, even when you don't know it. That's why we have to show it at every chance we get. We often forget that God doesn't just work on Sundays. He doesn't just work on Sundays. Thank the Lord he doesn't just work on Sundays. How did Jesus approach this topic? How did he show love? The greatest example of this is, of course, his death on the cross to lay down one's own life for his friend's sake. But I think another really good example is the woman caught in the act of adultery, fresh in her sin. And we love that story, but what about the woman next to you in church or at the supermarket or the the guy across the street, the person that we need to treat like Christ treats? And I'm not talking about a sloppy grace that says everything is okay. I'm talking about helping pick someone up and loving on them. And loving them enough to tell them some hard truths and say like Jesus did, now go and sin no more. Jesus wasn't afraid to love people where they were. How did he do this? Jesus saw people, situations, and things with his father's eyes. He saw them with the eyes of the Lord. John 5, 19 through 20 says, Very truly, I tell you, the son can do nothing by himself. He can do only what he sees his father doing because whatever the father does, the son also does. For the father loves the son and shows him all he does. Yes, and he will show him even greater works than these so that you will be amazed. We are called to see people, situations, with the eyes of the Lord. Only in the eyes of the Lord. Sometimes that seeing like uh, Elijah, an army around you, surrounding the army that's in front of you. But most often, it is simply seeing the small need of a person and being the answer. Being the answer. James 1.27 says this, Pure and undefiled religion before God and the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their trouble and keep oneself unspotted from the world. Luke 10, 25 through 37 is the passage on the Good Samaritan. And Jesus in this passage is asked, who is my neighbor? To Jesus, anyone he sees in need is his neighbor. But we have to be looking. We have to be looking. And sometimes that's hard because there's so much need going on around us. But do what you can. Something is better than nothing. And allow God to lead you as you have your eyes open to where the Holy Spirit is going to touch someone's life using you. And I promise you, I guarantee you, he will use you to touch someone. Do you want to be used by the Lord this morning? Bless people. Help people. Remove all the roadblocks that might be hindering you from this. I remember a a time in my life when I was younger, I had a really hot car. Like, that's... I had a really hot car, and it was super clean. I waxed it, like, a lot. I'm not going to tell you how many times. Uh, And I could go on about how clean I kept this car, but it only had two seats, and I was passing somebody on the road that needed some help, and uh, it was more than one person, and I realized in that moment I was not prepared to help. I literally was not physically prepared to help, and I wasn't prepared to help spiritually 
which would have come to effect in the physical. And I realized I had to get rid of that. I had to get it out of my life if I was going to be used by the Lord to touch me. I, couldn't, I literally couldn't stop to help that person because it would have been illegal to pick several people up. We've got to be ready. We've got to be ready at any moment. The Holy Spirit might lead us to do something. It's not enough to just see needs. We have to take action. We have to take action. If you're looking for a good way to do that, you heard from Gary already and Jasper on how many ways it is to help around here. They forgot to mention Center Shot. I don't know who's Kim. Where's Kim? Yeah. Center Shot was another ministry. We have lots of ministries going on. But also, you know what? I was talking to a pastor this last week who, who left his church. He was in Delta Junction and moved to Anchorage just to help the homeless. Just to help the homeless. And he was just talking to me, saying how much we need help. How much he needs help. And I thought to myself, man, you know, our congregation could help right? Yeah, maybe, maybe your life group could just decide, hey, we're going to go to the, the soup kitchen and we're going to feed the homeless today. What an awesome opportunity that is. But church, how many opportunities are around us that we're just not looking for? We're not always looking for them. Jesus was so compassionate for people. And I pray that more in my own life and in yours. In Matthew 14, 14, I'm not going to read the scripture, but Jesus had just, just suffered the loss of his cousin John, and he was hurting. And he, it says he wanted to go to a solitary place. Do you ever feel like that? Like, I just want to be alone. Yeah, I think we can all be that way sometimes. But then large crowds came, and it says he was moved with compassion. He was moved with compassions. And, and sometimes we don't feel like loving people, but it is in that moment, a lot of times, God wants to touch and heal people using us. As Christians, we, we can't move about according to our own feelings. Sometimes that's hard. Like, I'll admit to you, I think I've said this before, I don't always feel like leading worship. I don't always feel like putting a message together. I'll give you a, a glimpse into my life last night. I don't, it was the enemy working or something, but the dog got sick. My baby girl was crying several times through the night. The fire alarm went off randomly. Like, it was just one of those nights. I didn't feel like preaching this morning. But how would it have been if maybe someone would be touched by what I say? Like, I prayed God just let one person be touched this morning. But if I didn't show up because I didn't feel like it, the Lord would not be happy, but you probably wouldn't be either. <laughs> like, <laughs> we have to be ready. We have to be willing. We have to be open. We have to forgive people. We have to love people. And these are hard things. But 1 Corinthians 16, 14 says, do everything in love. I don't always do everything in love. When things go wrong, I don't always do everything in love. I sure want to, and I sure try to, and there's grace there. Thank the Lord. But do everything in love. Mark 12, 31 says, love your neighbor as yourself. The only way to fulfill this, this is by divine love. Divine love. Holy Spirit-led love. Because Mitch in the flesh is not going to do that. But let's give what we receive regularly. 
as in we've received a divine love that we don't deserve. And we're to give that. And when we do, God will move. Why? Because he moves in unity. He will move in a church because he's going to move through the love of our people. As you reach out, you are the hands and feet of Jesus. It's not just a pastor, a team, whatever. It's you. You are the hands and feet of Jesus. Congratulations. Yeah. Make sure you wash those hands up and the feet. Be used. In order to forgive and love people, we have to be willing then to have relationship with people. I know this one's going to be a harder one to swallow for some of us. Relationship. Forgiveness, love, and relationships, these are at the core of the messy gospel. But you know what? These are the things that people respond to. They respond to forgiveness. They respond to love. They respond to relationship. And I'm not talking about a, a side hug. I love you, man. I got your back. I'm talking about caring for somebody. Caring for someone like you want to be cared for. And I'll be honest, church, I can't do that for every single person. Our head pastor, who's gone today again, can't do that for every single person. We train you to do that. You are the hands and feet. Let's be the hands and feet of Jesus. And that type of relationship requires real conversation. Real conversation, not a like, hey, how you're doing? I don't really care. <laughs> we, we've all been guilty of that, I think. But I'm talking about feelings and emotions, struggles, hardships, time. Time. Romans 12, 15 through 18 says this, Rejoice with those who rejoice, and weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. And I love that reference, live in harmony as a musician. I can play one note, and it might sound nice, but if I play two or three, it's, it's together making a beautiful sound. Not just one note, but together making a beautiful sound, and that's what the Lord wants. Together makes a beautiful sound. Jesus welcomed the outcast. He welcomed the needy, the unwanted, the tax collector, and the prostitute. He lived at a standard that invoked change in people. He lived at a standard that did that. And they saw in him something that they wanted. Is that seen in you? Is that seen in me? Something that someone else once. Without relationship, they don't have a chance to see. And we fully believe as a staff, the next step that we're taking, we've already started going there, is life groups. We've been pushing it, that's not a great word, we've been encouraging it to everyone. And why? Because it forces relationships. It forces us out of the, the cliques and the groups that we can so often be in. Like, we can all be guilty of that. We're drawn to people that are, are similar, similar in age, similar in professions, similar in hobbies. But that's not the gospel. Like, you can use that to, to reach out and relate to somebody, 
But you know, someone who thinks differently than I do is the one that's going to help me grow. They're the one that's going to help me grow. Relationships cause growth. And we need and want that as a whole church. You guys want our church to grow? Let's go deeper as we grow wider. Young people should be learning from older Christians. Older people should look for every opportunity, every chance to inspire the next generation. A church doesn't grow because it's pastor or it's worship team. It grows when a people come together and decide to take the gospel to the world and be lit on fire by God doing it. Ooh, that was a lot of amens. I'm, I'm going to take that as you agreed to do that. Amen? Yes. Yeah. But church, that's where we're headed. That is where we're headed. An on-fire church that is growing because its people are passionate about other people. Amen? Yes. And that's why we have to take care of the roots. The messy gospel. We have to forgive. We have to love. We have to be in relationship. And all of these things require time and sacrifice. Time and sacrifice what is our priority? What is our priority? I was listening to a song the other day that basically said that, and I had to check myself. What is my priority? I make time for the things that I prioritize. So if I don't have time for the Lord, it's because I don't prioritize the Lord. If I don't have time for people, it's because I don't prioritize people. And watch this. The biggest investment Jesus had when he was on earth, was people. The biggest thing that he invested in was people. And church, I want to be a good return on that investment. And I want to invest into others because that's what Jesus did. Our relationship with God should fuel the desire for relationship with other people because this is how the kingdom advances. It's a people, people, people thing. God uses people and he will use you. Amen? One of my favorite examples of this, of all three of these, forgiveness, love, and relationship, is the moment where Jesus reinstates Peter in John 21, 15 through 17. I'm going to read that scripture. John 21, 15 through 17. It says, so when they had eaten breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me more than these? And he said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And he said to him, feed my lambs. He said to him again a second time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? And he said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And he said to him, tend my sheep. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? And Peter was grieved. He was hurt because he said to him a third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. And Jesus said, feed my sheep. We see in this passage the heart of the messy gospel. Peter had denied Jesus and left him alone in his greatest time of need. And, and once again, Jesus knew it was going to happen. But Jesus goes to the root of this. Jesus knows who he is, who Jesus is as the son of God and offers forgiveness. He is defined by his father. 
He sees Peter, who, who, who Peter is meant to be, so he restores him with love. And Peter, even in, in his hurt by the truth, responds to the relationship that Jesus had with him. Do you see that? He offers forgiveness, he offers love, and because of the relationship that he had, Peter responds. There are more parts of the messy gospel, but this is where it starts. Let's deal with the roots, because after the roots, you get into so many things. In the messy gospel, there is, there is healing, there is miracles, there is a move of God, and church revival starts always with repentance with getting things right at the root. And we want revival. I'm gonna say that again. We want a move of God. We want it. Let's deal with the things that might be hindering it so that we can step into the fullness of what God has for you, for me, for this church, and we can move forward in the messiness of the gospel. I'm gonna invite the worship team to come. Say hallelujah, we're ending sooner than pastor because he's long-winded. <laughs> but as the worship team comes, I want you to just think on this for a little while. There might be someone even in this room that you need to forgive. There might be someone that you need to just receive forgiveness even if they have not asked to let go of it, to let God. Or there might be someone, something holding you back from truly loving people and sharing the love of God. Let's deal with that this morning because I'm ready for a move of God. Same old, same old is not enough for me. Or maybe it's time that you choose to commit in relationship. A great way to do that is being at every Sunday night in your life group possible. Or maybe just going for any relationship that you see. Be a blessing to others so that people can see Christ in you. If we're going to be zealous, passionate, on fire for the Lord, we have to take care of these things. And again, the Lord comes to a unified church. Amen? Amen. And as the team starts to play, I'm going to release you to deal with some of these things. To deal with it. If the Holy Spirit is leading you to, there's probably, I'm going to guarantee you there's at least one person. I feel like God promised that to me. It might be me. <laughs> but start thinking. Let the Holy Spirit lead you. Who do I need to forgive? Who do I need to accept forgiveness from? Even if they haven't asked who do I need to start loving on more? What relationships in my life can I really affect? And of course, if you do not know this Jesus that we're talking about, who obviously from what we're saying is worthy, who's worth giving our whole lives to and going through hard things, then please come down to the front and I want to pray with you. Or if you have any other need, Please come to the front and the, the prayer team or someone will pray with you. But let's take a moment. I'm going to ask you to stand up. And just let the Holy Spirit lead you as we, we just go into another time of worship. Romans 1.16 says, For I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. 
Lord, is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes. Let the power of Christ work in you this morning to dig out all the roots. Let's worship. joining us today we look forward to connecting with you next time and don't forget you can support us by giving through the church center app or by going online at summitwc.com give